prescription without diagnosis is malpractice. We're not dealing with your health, but we are dealing with your wealth. If you don't diagnose accurately what the problems are and what the numbers mean, then you are starting off in the wrong direction automatically. And it sounds kind of obvious, but a lot of business owners and operators that I know try and solve these problems in a vacuum rather than looking at the hints of the numbers and what the customers have been saying, and then addressing the real world problems and implementing solutions that will actually solve the problem. Do you want to grow your business bigger and faster? A free audit of your Amazon business can help you see and avoid threats and find missed golden opportunities. I generally charge $150 or more per hour, but this would be free. You can be a reseller or a brand owner. All I ask is that you're doing a few thousand dollars a month in sales already. Just visit myamazonaudit.com, scroll down, click on Amazon Audit, and book in a time. That's M-Y-A-M-A-Z-O-N-A-U-D-I-T.com. Look forward to speaking to you on your audit. Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven, and eight-figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, part of the amazing FBA podcast family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven-figure exit, and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Hello, ladles and jelly spoons. Welcome back to the 10K Collective podcast. This is for six and seven-figure Amazon sellers. And if that's you, today is squarely aimed at you. This will apply also 95% the same if you sell on your own e-commerce site for that matter, or if you're starting off with a smaller business as well. We're going to talk about branding today, a much used and much glossed over topic, much overused. I want to talk today about some signs of poor branding based on metrics and numbers that give you a clue. And I promise in our next episode, we will talk about best practices for how to create a fantastic brand. But I think we've got to start off by accurately acknowledging there's a problem, right? If we're in denial about there being an issue, then that's a problem. If you're also think that you can operate in a vacuum away from real world metrics and well from away from real world consumers to solve these problems i think you're starting to detach from reality and we all do it by the way i'm not accusing you personally of doing that but any of us who fall into that trap it's a big trap so i'm going to start with some metrics because that's cold hard statistical fact and then we can start working out what does that tell us about the branding problems and then we get into solutions. But it's important to diagnose accurately what the problem is before you implement solutions. And a lot of us leap over that because we want to get into action, and rightly so, we don't want to stay stuck in paralysis by analysis. That's not good either. But a, a very thorough understanding of a problem before diagnosing and then before implementing solutions is always the best way to do anything, including branding issues in business. So in a theory, let's talk about an example. Rav Power sold electronic accessories on Amazon, and they're, they're a pretty big seller now. But when they started off, they didn't have a great business. They had a lot of visitors, their product pages. They were ranking well organically. They were probably paying for advertising, but they had a low conversion rate. So they had quite low sales. And they identified that their branding was poor and their product images didn't really showcase their features well. The descriptions were unclear. They invested in some professional product photography and they improved their product descriptions and the conversion rate increased significantly. Of course, that led to increased sales. If you have a higher conversion rate, you're also going to rank better by Amazon. 
and you're going to get more profit, uh, all things being equal for various reasons. So this story illustrates really the importance of a couple of metrics we really, really got to be a bit obsessed with. Do you want to grow your Amazon business bigger or faster? I bet you do. If so, a free audit of your Amazon business can help you see and avoid threats and find some golden missed opportunities. Generally, I charge at least $150 an hour these days for my time, but this is free. You can be a reseller or a brand owner. All I ask is that you're doing at least a few thousand dollars a month in sales. If you are, just go to myamazonaudits.com, scroll down, click on Amazon Audit and book in a time and we'll see each other on a Zoom call. That's M-Y-A-M-A-Z-O-Z-O-N-A-U-D-I-T.com. Thank you very much for listening and I hope to see you on a call soon. So let's talk about these metrics that we just mentioned. So one of the very striking things about any Amazon seller, and that includes me, <laughs> And that's true for any e-commerce seller right? that I've ever met, small business owner generally, is they're obsessed with the sales revenue. And it's really like uh, Reginald Perrin, if you can remember back to that far, this is showing my age now, uh, in the UK where we had this um, program where uh, it's a comedy from the 70s and Reginald was this rather unhappy employee in a company and it was run by this guy called CJ. And when times were good, he had a fat cigar and he was happy. And when times were bad, he had a thin cigar. It was quite entertaining and that's kind of how my clients seem to respond to life as well even the ones who've had decades of experience the sales are up they come in with their head held high they're feeling good about life sales are down they feel a bit of an idiot they think what am i doing wrong they're a bit depressed totally understandable i get it but i would urge you to back off revenue as a way to guide whether what you're doing is correct I would also back off unit sales. We have to dig a little bit on, onto why your unit sales are high or low. There are basically two reasons. Lots of people seeing your product page uh, or not. So the number of visitors or sessions. And I would basically, if I were an Amazon seller, and there are simple equivalents to this on Shopify as well, or any normal um, e-commerce platform. So if you're on Amazon, you look at the reports, business reports, sales by ASIN, either parent or child. We're not going to go down that rabbit hole today. And then you're going to look for two numbers, really, the sessions and the unit sales, and then the unit session percentage, so three numbers, I suppose. There's a, a ratio as well. The sessions means how many people have seen your products. And if you've got very low sessions, then that means you've got a traffic problem. Now, that's related to conversion on Amazon or other marketplaces because it will rank your products higher in the search results if you convert better. So strictly speaking, you, you can't separate the two. But you kind of can to a degree. You can certainly pay for traffic by advertising, even if you can't get organic ranking. So if you've got plenty of sessions, but low conversion rate or the unit session percentage is the conversion rate that Amazon uses, you will get low unit sales. And so that conversion rate uh, gives you an awful lot of, of data. And that is one of the things we'll talk about in a second and what the meaning of that is. It's a critical, critical number. The second one is the average rating for your products. Now that is product specific, but you can look across the sort of suite of products if you have a big range of, of products or uh, if your entire catalog, if you've got a small range, so if you've got 10 SKUs or something for some private label, smaller businesses can have as, as few as 10 and still make seven figures. I've seen it, but more commonly, you're going to have more than that by the time you've got a, a real sized business that's got a chance of giving you a, a full-time income or at least a decent one. And so 
you can group things. You can look at individual SKUs and you should, individual product lines. You can look at a sort of product lines of, of a multiple variants or types that are similar. And then you can look across the thing as a whole. The rating, the average star rating directly impacts your conversion rates. Plus, it's a, a bit of an insight into your customer's thoughts. And then the reviews themselves, the words that are written about it, obviously are a, a direct insight into your customer's thoughts. And again, they affect the conversion rate very directly. So those are, are metrics. Reviews are qualitative data, they're words. Ratings are quantitative metrics. You've got to keep an eagle eye on that. Repeat purchase rate, not easy to see on Amazon, on things like Shopify or other such systems, very easy to see. That also tells you that if people keep buying your products, they really like them. And then your brand search volume is an interesting one. This is not so critical in the early stages of a product, but if you are, particularly if you're trying to sell your product direct to consumer, but even if you're on Amazon to a degree, people actually using your brand name, you know, Mike's widgets, as opposed to best widget or blue widget, blue widget for children, whatever it may be, is a sign of actually that your brand is getting established in the consumer mind. On Amazon, it's not probably so critical because people don't tend to search for brands as much as they would, you know, in the, the direct consumer world. And there isn't so much of a problem if you don't have that because on Amazon, we are as third party sellers leveraging the trust that the consumer has in the Amazon brand as a whole. Uh, including the marketplace. Most consumers probably don't differentiate between marketplace and just sold by Amazon or it's Amazon's product. They, it's all a, a blur to them. Whereas if you're selling by Google searches or whatever your traffic source is on your own site, you have more of a trust problem. So it, it, the fact that you have a, a brand name that people are starting to look for, probably more significant. But So brand search volume is another one. So let's dive into what these numbers mean. And I think the first thing we've got to say is it's not always about branding. Before we worry about branding, let me just knock a couple of the bigger picture things out of the place. If you have a terrible conversion rate and you're struggling to get repeat purchases, then that sometimes or quite often shows that you've made a poor market choice. If you've chosen a hyper-competitive market, you've pretty much already lost unless you have really strong characteristics, which mean you can become the top dog. So remember the STAR principle, that's the BCG, the Boston Consulting Group growth matrix, which I find to be an incredibly robust guide to business in general, but especially on Amazon, because it's a hyper-competitive market. You've got to aim to have the biggest market share in a growing market if you want to end up with a truly valuable product and or if lots of your products are like that, valuable business. So if your market is already dominated by one or two big players and the market defined market, broadly speaking, it's a keyword cluster. Okay. Let's put it in simple terms without going down that rabbit hole. If your markets, as we're defining it simply here is already dom dominated by one or two big players that have a big percentage of the revenue, that's likely to mean you have a, a dog product. So you're, you're a follower or or a, a dog is a not good position. So you shouldn't really be entering those markets unless you can become the biggest seller by percentage of the revenue. So if $100,000 of revenue per month are being made or pounds or euros, same difference per month based on a certain set of keywords, and you can take $40,000 of that and the nearest competitor has 20,000, you're the market leader by a very robust metric, right? If you can't be that, 
then you're not going to have a great business and often you're going to have a bad business because you'll find the conversion rates low, the price is low, price is also a, a, a metric that we should mention as well. Low price is, is, or you don't have a price premium ability to price above the market norm, then that's going to be a big problem as well. If you want to be the leader in a competitive market, then you're going to have to have, I think, three things. And it, I've seen it done once or twice, and it's unusual. You're going to have to have a killer competitive edge. You're going to have to have total commitment because it's going to be a tough fight and you have to have adequate funding. Adequate meaning quite a lot for an ordinary one of top type business, you and me, if we're not private equity backed or something like that, you're going to have to find some serious um, personal investment. A case study in that is Element 26 of so Jason Franciosa, who's been a podcast guest. They went into the weightlifting belts space, which was almost like a, one of those joke products that you'd mention on an Amazon podcast where you shouldn't go into it because it's so competitive. And, and they had, however, a killer competitive edge. Jason's partner has a PhD in sports physiotherapy. They're totally committed people. They're obsessive CrossFitter types and their market is CrossFitters. And they totally get their market and they are the right kind of people to go into hardcore fights. And they had adequate funding. They, they funded it with their own money, as far as I understand, but they had substantial funding. They didn't go in with a few thousand dollars and that's not going to cut it in a market like that. So if you find that you're fighting on price and the conversion rates low, then uh, quite likely you're in a really hyper-competitive market, in which case the branding won't help you. Now, if you check and you're pro you aren't being crushed by hyperly strong competition, then it could be that you've got a branding issue. And that's what we'll address in the next show, how to turn that round. A couple of things to talk about conversion rate. What, what is a good conversion rate? How long is a piece of string? It's relative to your competition. Obviously, you're not privy to the conversion rates of your competitors. Now, if you are running a D2C site, you can uh, Google has quite a lot of uh, benchmarks for conversion rates because obviously Shopify and so forth tend to share that kind of data. Amazon doesn't share that kind of data, but there are probably benchmarks you can use out there. So have a quick Google and see what the average conversion rate is for a product in X category on whatever platform. Amazon is going to be more opaque information, harder to get. But if you want a few rules of thumb, if you're selling a product that's under £20 or $20 and your conversion rates, so it's not a big difficult buying decision and your conversion rate is anywhere below 20%, I would say you've probably got rooms for improvement. If it's under 10%, it's probably a sign that you're in a very competitive market. And I would question whether you should be in it. I don't mean you should immediately can the product, but you should start the process of reviewing your market choice. Price premium, again, doesn't mean you can charge what the heck you want or, and here's what a, a classic newbie error, but I see more experienced people falling into this doesn't mean you can go and source a product for twice the cost of your competition and then charge twice the money because, well, we spend a lot of money, so it must be worth more money, right? That's a, a massive thought fallacy. The people buying don't care how much it costs you to make a product. That's your problem. They just don't care at all. And there's no perception in the market of, of value added by that. What there is, is perception of value added by a better product and better branding. So a price premium means you can maybe charge 10% more, maybe 20% more than similar products. If, you, if your average price in your marketplace is, say, $5 for a product, 
we're not comparing your product to a $5 average product, but if there is a premium version of products in that marketplace, the higher end products, can you charge more than those guys a little bit, right? That's when you get a brand premium. In other words, your brand is what's adding value to a product. Nike trainers will typically sell for, you know, 50 to 100% more than very, very similar. In fact, probably identical products, probably made in the same factory, the way these things go. I don't know. Don't sue me, Nike, because I'm not saying that's the case. I'm guessing. But I mean, Nike spent decades building that brand. You know, most of us cannot get that much brand premium, but that's an example of what I mean by that. Now, another limitation of branding is we talked about products, mediocre products. If you have terrible or even mediocre products, it's just what Jim Cochran calls lipstick on a pig marketing. I really like that, that phrase. It's quite common on Amazon even now. And if your competitors have similar products and your marketing is better, then the lipstick on the pig marketing wins better than the it's an obvious pig to put, push the metaphor to breaking point. But it will only do that for a temporary period. I mean, if, if the consumers get wise to the fact your product is exactly the same and the reviews will generally show that after a while, then you won't do very well in that market. And unless you're adding a lot of value in some other way, even with good branding, I think that's a temporary game to play. I've got clients playing that game right now and you should, you know, get a brand premium. You should do your branding, but I think even better, go back and re-engineer the products. They're genuinely unique. That's much safer as a competitive advantage. So really those are, you know, the limitations of branding. So assuming then, and these are big assumptions that you should check, double, double, double check, triple check, I guess. Are you really in a market that's winnable? Do you have a competitive advantage, particularly if you're in a difficult market? And is your product visibly different and better than the competition? Only then really should you be worrying about the branding being the problem. Rav Power was an example. They were very competent creators of electronic products. Anchor's another one. They had a similar issue at A-N-K-E-R. Um, my wife and I have got millions of Anchor charges around the place to, to, to charge our phones. My wife doesn't buy things in ones uh, or twos. We've got about 15 or something of the things, but they're really handy. And again, they, they created competent products. And I can say from experience of using competitive products and those that they work really well. They're reliable. They haven't set fire to the house yet. You know, they are, you know, they pack the power. They seem to be quite long lasting. They seem to be robust if you drop them, what have you. So in other words, they do a solid job. And so their problem was a branding problem and they, and they, you know, worked a lot on showcasing their features better, better descriptions, better reassuringly professional photography, better quality copywriting that sounded like it was written by an American or a Brit rather than a Chinese person with happy time or what have you. No offense to Chinese sellers listening, but there's some strange copywriting out there written by Chinese sellers and they'd be better off just hiring people from the native speakers of the country. And so they sold to those problems. And again, that did really blow up their brand. I mean, they're huge now. So if you have those problems of a low conversion rate, low ratings, low repeat purchase rate, if you can find that out and you can't charge a price premium, then you, and you have got a reasonable product or a good product, and you haven't chosen a ridiculously competitive product market, then you have a branding problem. And so. That is uh, the thing that we're going to be talking about how to solve it next. So as my old business coach, Peter Thompson used to say, prescription without diagnosis is a malpractice. We're not dealing with your health. 
but we are dealing with your wealth. If you don't diagnose accurately what the problems are and what the numbers mean, uh, then you are starting off in the wrong direction automatically. And it sounds kind of obvious, but a lot of business owners and operators that I know try and solve these problems in a vacuum rather than looking at the hints of the numbers and what the customers have been saying, and then addressing the real world problems and implementing solutions that will actually solve the problem. So just to reiterate today, most important thing of all, if you're not looking at the metrics like a hawk for your products individually and for your business as a whole, whether you're on Amazon or direct-to-consumer sites, you really, really got to change that habit. Reality is the starting point for every real solution. Second thing, interpreting those metrics. All of the metrics that indicate bad branding choices also can show one of two other things. The first and most important thing is a bad market choice. If you are in a hyper-competitive market, unless you are very genuinely very committed, have an extreme competitive advantage, and are very, very well funded relative to the needs of the market, I would just suggest you're in the wrong market. The second problem is bad products. If your products are simply mediocre, I would really question whether you should put all the time, money, and effort into proper branding which is a lot of work. We'll tell you exactly what's involved in the next episode. But if you shouldn't do it, then don't do it in the first place. Frankly, one of the best choices you can make is to abandon a product that will never cut into a market because it's too competitive and you don't have the competitive advantages and or to abandon a product that's frankly mediocre and it won't be worth the time, money and effort to develop a new product, which is even more effort and money than to develop good branding. However, if it passes those tests of, is this a market we could dominate? Is this a product that is good enough or even good such that it is a branding and marketing problem? Then stay tuned because the next episode will be for you. Thank you so much for listening. In a second, I'm going to tell you how you can get a free audit with me if you want to check whether you have any of these branding problems and whether they're solvable. I'd be delighted to help you with that. In the meantime, don't forget to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts to name but three of the major platforms we're on. And thank you so much for listening to the 10K Collective Podcast. Do you want to grow your Amazon business bigger or faster? I bet you do. If so, a free audit of your Amazon business can help you see and avoid threats and find some golden missed opportunities. Generally, I charge at least $150 an hour these days for my time, but this is free. You can be a reseller or a brand owner. All I ask is that you're doing at least a few thousand dollars a month in sales. If you are, just go to myamazonaudits.com, scroll down, click on Amazon Audit and book in a time and we'll see each other on a Zoom call. That's M-Y-A-M-A-Z or Z-O-N-A-U-D-I-T dot com. Thank you very much listening and I hope to see you on a call soon. Thanks for listening to the 10k collective podcast for six and seven figure Amazon sellers. I really hope you found the show helpful to you. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show and if you're on Apple podcasts please do leave us a quick star rating. It will take you all of 30 seconds to do it but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders. I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening.